This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 3. This is Writing Excuses, Project In-Depth risk, risk Assessment with Sandra Taylor. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I can't say risk assessment, apparently, <laughs> but we have special guest star, star, I can't say star either, Sandra Taylor. <laughs> Hi, Brandon. Save Glad me. To <laughs> Glad to be here. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Uh, I am Sandra Taylor. Uh, I'm a writer of... Picture books, uh, a blog, I've done some speculative fiction, and I have written a script that was used as a, a bonus story for a schlock mercenary book. Uh, I also happen to be married to Howard, which is kind of how I got that last gig there. <laughs> <laughs> so, spoiler warning, we are going to be talking about the bonus story, um, Risk Assessment, which is found in the book Force Multiplication, um, though Sandra has mentioned before that this isn't a story that the spoilers matter terribly much for. We will have given you a warning about this ahead of time, but if this really bothers you, go buy it right now, pause this, and then you can come back and we'll talk about it later. For the rest of you, we want to talk about the story, and Sandra, this story was delightful. I loved it. Good. I like to hear that. Um, tell me a little bit about how you guys decided that you would be writing the bonus story. Um, I actually have kind of a vivid memory of this because uh, uh, we were standing in the kitchen and uh, Howard and I were talking about who does the bonus story because we try and get guest writers to do the bonus story for several reasons, one of which is Howard has very, very little time. And we like having different people with different voices tell stories in the Schlock Mercenary universe. And we're standing there trying to figure out who should tell this bonus story and Howard says... Maybe we should have you write it. And I remember this so vividly because my brain did one of those, like, jitter to a stop. Like, I, surely I can't have heard those words correctly. What, what on earth do you mean? And the reason my brain did that is because we work, because we work so closely together, because we're in each other's stuff all the time. I know I'm, I do the shipping and the business and the accounting and Howard does the comic drawing and the writing and things like that. And he has, hands me scripts and has me read things, and then I hand them back. But we have some very clearly defined roles, and actually creating in the Schlock Mercenary universe was a line I have never even pictured myself crossing. That was his space. And suddenly he was saying, hey, come step in my space. And, um, and it was actually a little bit terrifying because... Um, for, because it's not because I'm not familiar with the characters. I am talking and brainstorming with him all the time about these characters. Sandra is probably more familiar with the characters than anybody besides me. Mm. Yeah. And I frequently, you know, he'll come and talk to me and I'll be like, what about this? And he's like, oh. And then he walks out of the room and goes and does something without even <laughs> saying goodbye. Um, <laughs> but um, we've had experiences where Howard and I were on a, a, a did a presentation together and we failed to talk to each other in advance and figure it out. We assume we worked together so well that when we got in the presentation, we were stepping on each other's toes all the time. And we both came out of that presentation going, wow, that did not go well. And that was very frustrating. And I was worried that that would happen with this story. 
And that was very scary to me because uh, here I am stepping into his space and trying to do this thing that he does. And then there's the whole part where I've never written comics ever. <laughs> and, um, and it was just very scary. So tell me, was, did you guys intentionally choose uh, Grandpa Tagon's parents or Father Tagon's parents um, on purpose because they had had a lesser role and they were people you could give voices to directly? Um, we knew we wanted to tell a story not with the major characters. We mm-hmm. wanted to go something very, very different. And I was intrigued with the idea. You know, we have Carl Tagon, who's the father, and we have Kath Tagon, who's the son. And they're both very, very military. And I thought it would be very kind of fun if we said, okay, yeah, but this is not a male thing. You know, their father, the father of them, the grandfather of, of our Captain Tagon, um, was not military. I was like, okay, he needs to not be military, and he needs to have a name that doesn't start with K. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted something that sounded soft and multisyllabic rather than Carl and Kath. Um, We ended up actually giving the military K name to the mother. So we have Carla, who was in military service. Um, So it was kind of fun to to swap that around. Um, Beyond that, we wanted to tell that story and tell a story about them because because their story informs these characters that people have been loving forever. Um, The beginnings of things matter. Where we come from shapes who we are. And we thought it would be very interesting to see who were the parents that raised Carl, who then raised Calf, and you get this multi-generational Mm-hmm. thing going on. It's this fascinating idea. We also had hooks built in. Um, uh, Bristlecone, the, the uh, gunship that they had acquired, um, had a quirk, which was she liked to keep up with former crew members. And Carl Tagon's mother, uh, Carla Klingbo, had been a machinist aboard her. And and I realized, I bet she knows how his parents met. Wouldn't it be fun if she knows a story that they couldn't tell him? Hmm. And so I handed, I handed that off to Sandra. You know, let's do a, essentially, let's do a mill sci-fi meet-cute with a framing story where the AI is telling an old man how his parents really met. Which is adorable. Yes, it was absolutely <laughs> adorable. It was adorable with explosions, which is kind of what I hope for from <laughs> yeah. uh, Schlock from Mercenary. Schlock Mercenary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things have to blow up. Yeah. Yes. So I'm curious, like, one of the things that I'm always curious about with, with collaborative processes is uh, how much of the ideas generated by the person coming in and how much of it, like, how much of their backstory did Howard have in his head and how much of it was Sandra going, I think... I think, given the, the the tiny framework you have given me, it would look like this. Um, Howard really, once he convinced me to do it, he tried to stay hands-off hmm. very, very much because he wanted the story to have a different voice. He wanted it to be my story, not uh, his story with this la- thin layer of Sandra over the top. Um, and so that was actually kind of actively frustrating to me at points. Um, because I was like, I don't even know what to do. And he's like, well, figure it out. <laughs> um, I was nicer than that. Yes. Oh, yeah. You used much nicer words and lots of hugs. Um, 
which I don't know is necessarily part of a collaborative process for most people, but it was, it was a good idea at that point. But, um, so what I would do is I would come up with a pack of ideas and say, okay, we could do this. And then he, I would go to him and say, okay, what about this? And he'd say, yes, that sounds cool. This is cool. And this is cool. That won't work in the universe because of this and this and this. And then I'd be, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, the actual early versions of the story involved spies and smugglers and uh, gatekeepers and the arrival of a worm gate. It was this giant story. And the actual story that we get is much, much smaller, um, which in part happens because I only had you know, like seven pages of comics to write. And, um, and so you can't tell the whole grand sweep of anything. You have to tell a moment um, and trying to get all the cool explosions and meet cute into that small space was meant pairing a lot of things away. And a lot of that was was my shepherding where I, I took, okay, you know, we've got all these big ideas, but I know what seven pages of comics look like. Yes. I've done that over and over and over again. What are the special bits? What are the bits that Sandra loves the most about this story? What are the bits that I think my readers are going to love the most? How can I make as much room for them as possible? And then we began pruning away the darlings. So very, very many dead darlings uh, <laughs> scattered across the, the dock. My but goodness. What, but we kept the core elements. You know, I kept the the fact that I wanted the father, that Alan Tagon, to be a very different sort of person. I wanted him to be a cautious person rather than a daring person. But I also really wanted to show a cautious, a person who is in genetically, or not um, inherently cautious, doing something very brave because it was needed. Um, because in my experience, there are a lot of people who are very calm, very shy, but then they step up, and I love that moment, and I wanted to be able to show that. All right, so I, I actually have two questions for you, but yes. I want to start with this one because you talked about you know, how, how your first reaction was fear of, of toe-stepping and, and of problems like that arising. So in addition to, to him trying to stay hands-off, what other steps did you take to make sure that this collaboration worked? And, perhaps more salaciously, uh, what did, 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 did that ever fail? Were there problems that arose that you were like, ah, this is not going to work? That is so not where I thought he was going with salacious. <laughs> Yeah, I was, he was, that word was making me nervous about the rest of the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, it's kind of funny, the timing on this. Uh, Howard and I had the conversation about he, me doing the bonus story about a week and a half before I was scheduled to go visit Mary for a weekend. And so one of the first things I did was run off with this idea and uh, hang out with Mary for uh, a weekend. And Mary helped me wrap my head around some of the bits. I don't even know if you remember doing that, but you totally did. I, I remember, you remember me visiting. I remember you visiting, and I remember having, I remember us uh, talking through the, the, the mice quotient yes, and some and, other things yeah. like that as, as ways to get a handle on stuff. Exactly. Um, but, but I had forgotten until right now. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered um, because it was very, very helpful. Um, yeah, and so at first I was totally going to – Howard was going to be completely hands-off and I was going to be just do this. And then we realized that I, I literally had no clue how to write a comic strip. I would, I would sit down and try because when you're writing prose, you have to set the scene and you have to describe the location. Not a lot, 
but you have to do that. And with the comic strip, you are literally just writing the words and saying there's a spaceship here um, as a side note for your artist. Um, And I realized that my brain actually couldn't process writing that way. I, I kept stopping. I kept breaking. And I went to Howard. I'm like, I can't do this. And he said, well, just write those bits. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I wrote it completely as if I was writing prose. And then I went back through and took out the bits that I didn't, that didn't need to be there. Um, wow, that would be a great bonus story for something else. <laughs> yeah. That would be the bonus story of the bonus story. Yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. You actually, Sandra, were going to tell us about a book you've been reading. I am. I am currently rereading uh, In the Cube by David, David Alexander Smith. Um, and it's a story of future Boston. And um, it's a Boston in which which has seceded from the United States because the aliens landed there, and now it is basically an, uh, a spaceport uh, key to the galaxy for, for Earth. Um, and they've taken Boston and actually filled in all the gaps between buildings with this alien material, so it's a giant cube city. Um, and that's just the setting. The really cool story is it's a detective story with a, a woman who is best friends with an alien, and... The alien I love. I really love this alien because he's cute and sweet. And then partway through the story, you realize, yeah, cute and sweet and really, really alien because the character has to recognize the fact that her friend really fundamentally conceptualizes the world in very different ways. And I love seeing that truly alien viewpoint that is still yet relatable. And it's fascinating. This is a much older book. Uh, we've had it in paperback for years. My pages are yellow. But I am, again, rereading it for the third or fourth time because I love it so much. Excellent. All right, getting back to it, um, I wanted to shoot a question at you guys. Um, Sandra, did you work directly with the artist? Um, and Or how did you find this artist? Because I know you guys like to use different artists for each bonus story. Yes. Um, Howard was. We worked with Natalie Barahona whose work is beautiful. I Howard was the one who actually found her. I, 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 I didn't find Natalie. Uh, ben McSweeney found her, okay. Natalie. Uh, right. Ben had done a bonus story before, and I said, hey, Ben, we're, we're doing another bonus story. Um, uh, do you know anybody who would be good as an artist for something that's got kind of a, you know, kind of a romance, meet-cute sort of feel to it, you know? Telling an artist, I don't actually want your work, I want mm. somebody else's work, <laughs> means you already have to have a really good relationship with yes. that artist, which, right. which I did. Yes. Um, and Ben said, oh, well, Natalie, right here in my, in my studio would be awesome. She was great. This oh, yes. was a my perfect goodness. match. So beautiful much pictures. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so many thumbnail sketches that were on the cutting room floor that I loved, but I could tell we don't have room we don't have room to tell the story using that picture. We have to compress a little bit. That's what I sad. liked is it, it actually, maybe it's because I was looking for it, but it has a weird jive with your own art that it matches, yeah. but is 
somehow, like, fuzzier? This is because Natalie is a better artist than I am. Natalie <laughs> and is And is brilliant. able to ape the portions of my style that, that sell storytelling while discarding the pieces of my style that are ham-handed and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. I yeah. love this, this story. Yeah, and, well, and working with Natalie, um, once we'd found her, Howard, again, was trying to keep his hands off. I did most of the, the, the talking back and forth with her, saying, okay, what do you need from me? You know, what, what words do you need me to write down so that you know what to write? Um, and then... I, I would interface with Natalie, and then she would give me something back, and I'd go to Howard and say, okay, this is what I've got. How, wh- what should I say to her next? And so he was kind of um, tutoring me on how to, how to interact with an artist because there are different words that they use that if you know the, the terminology, it is very, very helpful. And so Howard helped me with a lot of terminology things as I was interfacing with her. Okay, so that actually leads into the, the next question I wanted to ask, and... I, I'm curious to know, because this whole collaboration is just fascinating to me. I'm, I want to know, because you've been working with Schlock Mercenary for so long, and yet this is the first time you've kind of stepped into this exclusively Howard space. What else, I mean, aside from just vocabulary, what did you learn about Howard's job that you never knew before? That's a great question. Yeah. I want to know the answer to that, too. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure I cried a couple times. Comics are hard. Mm. <laughs> um, and I'd, I'd witnessed that, but seeing it from the inside is different from, from seeing it from the outside. Uh, it's a little hard for me to answer beyond that because the lessons I've learned have been internalized at this point so that I've forgotten them as coming <laughs> from there. Yeah. Um, but, uh... You know, I've always respected the the amount of work that goes into what Howard does because I see it. I see the struggles that he has, and I see the ways that he overcomes them. And I've seen that um, not only does he just have the, the, the core struggles of writing a comic, but then there's mental health issues and stuff that he's talked about before that also play into it. And I guess uh, an extra layer of respect, uh, not just for the, the work that he does, but for for the way that he so very much wanted to let me have this space and not step on my toes. And that is a, that is a risk. I actually talked about this in the family class here on the cruise. Was, um, when you have two people who are both in a, a partnership and they are both in creative careers, it is very easy for one to overshadow the other if they are more famous or if their work brings in more money. And, and Howard was so very careful to make sure that he didn't take this story over, that he didn't um, run off with it once he had handed it to me. Um, and that was a brilliant and wonderful, loving thing that he did, and I was very appreciative so for it. So difficult to just shut up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and so valuable. Absolutely. <laughs> so one of the things that occurred to me when I was – uh, reading it and then talking to you was that in, in some ways, essentially what we have here is that you have written fan fiction in your husband's universe. Yes. So with fan fiction, and we've talked about the darlings that had to go on the cutting room floor, but with fan fiction, there's always something that you have secretly wanted to see happen. 
what is the secret thing that you have wanted to see happen that hasn't been able to fit into another story? Because I know he gets your ideas all the time and he claims them as his own. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's not actually related to the story in particular, but uh, way back in the beginning of the strip, uh, there was a whole gate cloning controversy where the gatekeepers have these giant worm gates that everybody goes through and they had a monopoly on interstellar travel because the only way to get from one solar system to another was to go through a worm gate only, uh, and this is kind of a spoiler for the Shock Mercenary universe only, it's 12 years old now, so not so much. Um, they were copying all the, everyone who goes through, they were copying and then taking the copies and interrogating them for information and then selling the information. Um, and then and destroying then murdering the, co- the copy. Yeah, murdering the copy. It was very evil. Um, and when this was discovered and there was a giant galactic war over this issue because maybe we shouldn't do that to people. Um, they then had a set of people who had been duplicated but not yet destroyed. And so you had all of these people with duplicates. And Howard, in one strip, kind of made a nod, aha, funny, funny joke, and went off. And my brain sat there and was like, oh my gosh, how do you tell a story of now there are two of you? And it was actually quite appealing to me at that time because I was head down in mothering four small children. And with a full (laughs) uh, desire to have this huge creative career, and so there was the part of me that wanted to just dive into motherhood and the part of me that wanted to go full bore career. And, And then there was this gate clone story. And I thought, ooh, what if there were two of me? (laughs) <laughs> what if one of me could have this and one of me could have that and I actually ended up writing a story which nobody now you know is a it's called Doppelganger about a situation pretty much exactly like that where these two women got duplicated on accident and they each had one life and they come back together to meet once a year and how incredibly painful that meeting is because it's not that one person gets to have both lives. It's that you meet up periodically with the life you didn't pick. And that's not actually an easy thing. That's uh, great. Yeah. So that story, I'll drop that story in the pie safe too for you, go. So. Uh, and the pie safe for those of you who are not on the cruise is a secret bonus thing for people who are on the cruise, which is why you should come on the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are going to call it here. Sandra, you had a uh, writing prompt for us. I do. I do. Um, one of the things that really appealed to me about this writing the story was the beginnings of things. Uh, the beginnings of things really, really matter to people, and the beginnings of relationships in particular, which is why we all have the meet-cute as a thing that happens in so much fiction, um, because how people meet and how they become friends or lovers or spouses matters. It informs the entire rest of the relationship. And so what I would like you to do is take a pair of characters that you are working with who have a long-standing relationship, and I want you to write, not necessarily the moment that they met, but that foundational meeting, because I met Howard before I actually, we really connected a couple of times. And, um, but there's this, always this moment that is the foundational moment in a relationship. And I, I want you to write that up, and I want you to think about how that moment influences the stuff that actually is in your story. All right. I want to thank the people on the Writing Excuses cruise this year. 
And I want to thank Sandra for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. This is fun. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.